This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Pangarang people. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and that the modern Australian nation has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people following colonisation. Well may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 137 for Tuesday, 6th of October 2020. I'm Jeremy Siapirko and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. And tonight's guest host is a returning guest host, my beloved wife Denise. Hello. Hello Denise. So, um, today is in fact budget day and... Hooray, it's budget day! In October, it's an oct- it's it's a late budget, but it's it's you know no later than this episode of the podcast. Um, Is it like the first of October? Are we going to get everything we've ever wanted and ever hoped for? I doubt very much that Josh is going to provide us with a new Jukamazoom. Is that a oh. Jukamazoom? I've got one. Anyway, or a giant green kangaroo. Ugh. I mean, I don't. I would be happy with one. He doesn't need to give two. And I've waited till the first of October. Anyway, yeah. the important thing is. We're not going to get anything that we want today. No, no, no. It's going to be uh, another budget in which... Well, so why we're recording this on Tuesday morning before the budget? Well, A, this government loves to do its announceables and pretty much everything it's going to announce. Like There'll have to be something, but uh, they've already given us the framework for the budget anyway. The details. They still have some of the details, but they've basically given us their big announcements and given us their broad strokes of what they're going to do. And the thing is... The substance of the reporting after the budget is going to be just missing in any case. The media just will do what they they do at the moment, which is just simply repeat the Liberals' talking points. So, for example, there'll be huge tax cuts, which will be skewed massively to the wealthy. Uh, Apparently, they're not bringing forward from 2024 the Stage 3 tax cuts, but they are intending to still further flatten the progressive tax system, uh, which, of course, flattening a tax system just means that the... Poor and workers pay more and the rich pay less. That's what flattening a tax system means. And in fact, we don't even have to wait for after the budget's announced for the news media generally to be reporting about the great tax cuts that the uh, that they're going to be out there for. Because according uh, this morning's, the major newspapers are reporting, the Australian, the average families will receive up to $5,000 in income tax relief. Yeah. <laughs> that... now, average family families not to find out. No, keep, no, no. keep in mind that when they say average... It's always skewed well above the median. So because the very rich are richer and getting richer, obviously the the median, the bit at which you know fifty percent earn more, fifty percent of the population earn less, that is way way below where the average is. The Absolutely. average, the average, the, the number of people who get the average salary or more than the average salary, 
is far, far fewer than 50%. It's, it's a small fraction. They've also talked about that uh, Australians aged 35 and under who have been forced onto welfare payments will get a lifeline in the form of a direct wage subsidy, which is, uh, which is job maker. Because everything has to be job something. It's just a thing where they, they're giving uh, tradies half price. No, no, that's different. Okay. That's different. This is a thing where people are hired with a certain number of hours. They'll get the, their employer will get a subsidy to, to hire people. Well, anyway, we can deal with the details this next but week. But Australian that's... Financial Review has led on the wage subsidy. The Herald Sun's led on the tax cuts. And even The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald have also talked about led on the tax cuts for middle income workers. So they're already... Spruiking the budget. But this is the thing. They will call this... They'll call this stimulus. Tax cuts are not stimulus. Tax cuts are money that gets redirected to wealthy people. It's the opposite of stimulus. It's it's taking money that could otherwise be spent in the economy and and locking it up. Uh, That's not what stimulus is. It is a big spending budget in the sense that they are uh, (laughs) taking... if, If... if there was a line, you know, of, of how much we're, they're raising in revenue and how much they are uh, bringing in, it is big spending in the sense that it is massively ex- expanding the uh, deficit. Mm. But it isn't expanding the deficit in a way that uh, is spending. Yeah. It's, it's increasing the deficit in a way that is... It's, the, the Liberals' version of clever economic management is if you have a, a, a well-paid job... Um, and you're supporting your family, and instead of doing that, you uh, cut down your hours to two days a week, uh, thereby cutting down your salary, uh, and your family now has to live on uh, you know, 40% of the income. And you're like, yeah, so my, my budget plan is that you guys eat less and I work less. We <laughs> bring in less money and you eat less. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. My, that's what I should plan. Well, and that's why you have economists out there saying that cutting job seeker is a stupid thing to do because it puts more money in the economy. Well, and that's what they've done since the last podcast. They, um, everybody who was surviving on job keeper and job seeker uh, are now surviving, surviving on, on less. Well, yeah, it's uh, which will be contracting the economy because that's money that isn't being spent in the economy uh, apart from the human hardship that's caused, and that's and they're doing that to fund tax cuts for the rich. But it's okay because Frydenberg said this morning on the news that while uh, women and the young were most hardly hit by the jobs that were lost, the jobs that are coming back are all going to women and there the young. Are 12 people for every job. I know. This is a party. The Liberals only have one solution to everything because that's the one unifying thing for them, which is tax cuts for the rich. Quite a lot of them, but not all of them. Uh, but enough of them that control the party now that will silence the other ones are committed to digging up and burning coal. Uh, did you see Matt Canavan's revolting Black Coal Matters uh, truck that he was photographing? Yeah, that's nice. Um, so when we moved up here to uh, Wangaratta, it wasn't in the current New South Wales Victoria border zone. Uh-huh. And I saw this old hatchback with an elderly couple driving on with a big BLM on the background, back of it. And I thought, oh, wow, that's really progressive for oh, our small border town, oh, which was not in the two kilometer border zone until I got closer to the small little hatchback and saw that it read border lives matter. Right. We'll get to Victoria towards the end of the podcast. <laughs> There's too much of the federal stuff. But I... I have noticed so one of the things you've seen that the Victoria Police are being you know increasingly brutal and with all of the extra powers they've got yes they're mainly uh, using them against already marginalised groups but they are also using them against uh, you know middle class uh, white people who are being bloody minded about the COVID rules yeah and they're being brutal 
and there uh, there's footage of them that wasn't just the the pregnant woman they arrested Ballarat there's some footage of them down the beach the other day uh, arresting a pregnant woman essentially blood on the sand it's it's really horrible footage uh, and the writer like championing this as, as yeah. more evidence of Dan's dictated Dan's goons but this is the thing black lives matter the fundamental point of it was that police are not accountable no. police are getting away with being brutal there need to be protections for whistleblowers and there need to be rules that reign in this sort of police. It, this needs to stop. Yes. It was a protest against police, police brutality. brutality. And the right mocked it and said, this needs to be shut down with more police brutality. But then when there's some police brutality against people they like, they're like, oh no, police brutality. And you're like, that, what did you think BLM was about, you lunatics? Well, because that's different, because that's about not white people. So That's right. <laughs> they are making it very clear that they are 100% in favour of police brutality against people who are not them. It's just that they don't like it. when. But yeah, you know, consistency. I don't like that the Victorian police under Daniel Andrews are being brutal to uh, COVID dickheads. Oh. That I don't believe in police brutality against my enemies anymore than I believe in police brutality against people who are not my enemies. But um, apparently that that uh, that consistency is not, not available on the other side. Anyway, what I was going to say about the budget, Going back several steps. Uh, it's not stimulus, but the media are going to call it stimulus. Everything, the, the media, look, show me where I'm wrong this week. Tweet at well, may we say, when we see the media actually calling out this highly ideological budget for what it is. Now, I'm saying it's a highly ideological budget just from what, from the announceables without having actually, you know, lived through Freudenberg reading some nonsense in Parliament tonight about how it's about jobs. Whenever they talk about jobs, all they mean is tax cuts for the rich and subsidies for big business, um, or well, and small business as well. But basically, money to their to their voting base and screwing the poor. They don't that they, they, their whole they have managed to sell the idea. And I suppose this is one of the biggest things that we on the left need to be countering constantly: is this lie that if you give more money to rich people, that's the best way to create jobs. Yeah, and all of the evidence shows that that money goes into savings, that that money gets invested, often not even invested here in Australia, but invested in a locked away investment to grow for them, to fund them later at some point or to be reinvested somewhere else. Yeah, it it's, doesn't mean people... People uh, bus- aren't... And people when you give it to business, it's the same. That's when you give it to rich people. Mm. But even when you give it to business, business will take the, free, the cheap labour. By all means, if you give them you know, a year's worth of half, where you pay a tradie's salary for half a year, business will take that. They'll employ a tradie for a year at half price. Well, that's exactly and then they will it. sack them and take another tradie on for yeah. a year at half price. So what's the, that's, that's that big thing about that. What is that? Job, job tradie, whatever it is. Whatever, I don't Job trader. Um, is this idea that one of the things they're doing is 1.5 billion to... Over 10 years. Like it's a... It's, for 100,000 apprentices and tradies. Uh, well, apprentices and trainees. Um, for the trades. Now, first of all, I want to see uh, how that's corralled, what, where, what businesses and what things qualify for trainees. But also, so if that's a year that they'll pay for the salary, people are like, well, I could bring on two to three people for that year. Okay, but what about after that year? Will they have finished their apprenticeship after a year or their traineeship? Will you be able to to pay for your portion of the apprenticeship or traineeship after that year? Um, will you have to pay it back if you sack them at that year? Like what? It, yeah, any, oh. any kind of sub, any kind of government scheme, which basically is, we will make your labour cheaper. cheaper 
temporarily, not long term, we'll make uh-huh. it cheaper, is just an opportunity for grift. It's an opportunity for us to subsidise. We're, we're going to be giving basically giving cash to those business owners. It's, it's just extra profit for them. They won't take on more people because it doesn't increase the amount of labour that they... Business gets uses the amount of labour that it needs to to provide yes. to do whatever the services that it's producing, whatever whatever widgets or, or services it's doing. There is no incentive for them to employ more people than they need. Mm. So you're not increasing the number of people they will hire. You're just increasing their profits. And if they were on the fence, and this tips them over the edge to take on somebody to do that work. But the thing is, you really need to be hitting the demand side. Yes. The way to get more more people in work is having more people buying stuff. Absolutely, which is why they should keep job seeker out there, keep job keeper at the full rate. Like that's why they should not be cutting these programs that assist people. I agree that some of the other programs that they're talking about. So they're talking about um, people on age pension will get uh, a bonus of seven fifty before Christmas and another bonus early next year, and good. They that's your money that is helpful. That, that helps. That's helpful. That helps those people. And you know what? If you're on an age pension and you get $750 a month before Christmas, there's a high likelihood that that's going to go into goods purchasing for yeah. yourself, for people, for food, for gifts, for well, all sorts of things. Whereas schemes to give employers money for hiring, it'll just go into their pockets. Well, they, won't, they won't hire more people because... They may... So, so they may they'll, bring they'll on... They'll only hire as many as they need. Yeah. But they may bring on... So what they might do is if they've been on the fence about bringing on another person or another two people and they qualify, they'll bring on another person or another two people. But then what does happen after that year? Yeah, Have they, they budgeted they, for them after that year? They sack them and take on another one at cheap at yeah. price. Like you're... The, all this government wants to do is drive down wages... Drive down. Mm. That, that, by the way, that person, that apprentice at half price, brings down wages for everyone else in the industry. Why are they going to hire you, a person who's qualified and completed their apprenticeship, yes. when they can get two yes. tradies at half price, two so, apprentices at half price? That that is a very valid point. So, what about that other young person who has just finished his apprenticeship this year, now trying to get an entry level job, working in a trade? Who they're like, well, actually, we don't really see a contract for you. We're going to bring on another d- discount apprentice. At half price. Yeah, yeah. So all this does. Every single policy this government has drives down wages. And this is what just infuriates me about the Labor Party. Oh, by the way, did you see that when, when they were asking Albo about what the, what the approach was going to be to the tax? They, they, he's like, we don't support the tax cuts, but we won't commit to voting against them. Thereby winning Labor, the, you know, I'm sure very large demographic of people who are opposed to the tax cuts, but don't mind Labor voting for them. Absolutely. It's a huge <laughs> demographic. It's just, oh gosh, can we just, can we shoot him into the sun? So... Basically, everything this government does, it doesn't matter what the problem is. If the, if the economy is going well, their solution is cut wages and conditions and improve uh, and give tax cuts to the rich. If the economy is going badly, oh, sorry, and starve the poor mm. and give more money to the fossil fuel industry. Uh, like, obviously, the other part of this is that uh, we've got ga- Scummo out this week saying that gas chose itself. Oh, it did. It, it's, it's like Pikachu, choose me. Or so. Which is... because. They've set up the parameters in such a way, like their entire COVID, they've stacked their COVID thing with gas, with fossil fuel, you know, gas uh, industry lobbyists, and they're like, look, the recommendation from this group that we stacked is for their own uh, their own industry to be, well, to be supported by the government. Look, they're talking about, you know, gas is an infrastructure thing and infrastructure helps create money. And I absolutely agree that infrastructure projects help create um, funding in, in the economy because projects, big construction projects... Um, 
put in long-term money in the staff, in the people working on them, especially if they're rural um, and regional, like you bring money to the areas as people go there to work. Um, that's what regional rail is doing, which ha- they do have benefits beyond that. Um, but you know what they could send a lot of money into? They could put uh, hit two things that really need to get hit. They could do a massive spending into social housing, thereby doing a massive infrastructure construction project, which has lots of people working, as well as reducing the number of people who need social housing and giving them secure housing and housing security, which then puts them into a situation where they are better able to spend money and survive and live. But how does providing affordable housing help the uh, scumlord investor class that they represent make more cash off people's uh, inability to afford housing? That doesn't help them at all. That that gives people actual... That produces housing. Ah. I tell you what, this is a better solution. Instead of doing that, how about we just cut the uh, restrictions that were brought in after the global financial crisis to restri- restrict lenders from over... Uh, from basically sub- creating another subprime mortgage crisis again. You know those restrictions. What about if instead of providing more housing to people so that there are roofs over their heads, we have fewer homeless people and uh, people aren't spending so much money on housing and can spend it in the economy, uh, thereby growing demand, thereby growing jobs. What about if instead of doing that, we just remove some of the restrictions on uh, on lenders that we ourselves brought in after the Banking Royal Commission? Mm. What if we get rid of those from March next year so that more lending money can fly to speculative investors who can push up housing prices and... Um, Dry, you know, make housing no, even no, worse. No, no, that seems like a bad idea. But that, well, I don't care. That's what we're going to do. God, that's just like the SMSs I was getting from my bank during this whole COVID crisis, which were like, we've reduced your minimum payment to 0.5% of whatever your thing is, or $5, whatever's less, or whichever. We're still charging you interest. We're still charging you interest. And then they would send me a text saying, hey, by the way, if you're not paying your full payment, you know, you're getting more interest charged. So maybe you should pay more. I was like, I wasn't carrying a balance in any of these cards, but I was getting these texts and I'm sitting here going, oh my God, this would be horrible for people who actually are in this situation who are like, yeah, I have some relief. I don't need to pay this. And they're forced to use their card because they're not working and they don't have enough money, but they're still getting like 18% interest charged on them. They weren't giving actual relief. Yes. They were giving this sort of, ha, 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 we'll loan you more money that you'll have to pay back to us at a higher rate later. But they, fundamentally, this is not a, the, the Liberal Party is not a party which is looking at problems and trying to find whatever the best solution is to them. They're a party that will use whatever the fact scenario is that they're in as an excuse for what they believe in, which is tax cuts for the rich, removing regulation that protects work well, that re- removing regulation that protects consumers and ordering people in the community removing regulation that protects workers so you'll get a bu- more bunch uh, of stuff yeah they're still pushing for flexibility which is always code for cutting workers conditions yes cutting any support for the poor cutting holes in the safety net uh, wherever they can get away with it and burning you know giving more money to legacy industries that don't donate to them like the fossil fuel lobby mm. that, that is 100 percent what they believe in and you can predict everything they do will be part of that and it doesn't matter that none of that stuff actually helps ordinary people the media will report lazily mm. this shit like it's job creation jobs 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 that'll be Frydenberg we banging on about jobs 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 tonight we're gonna get people back into work we're gonna create these jobs but none of their stuff, as I said, none of it's about increasing demand for the things that people do. I want 
to see their numbers. I really want to see their jobs created. I really want to see them measure these things. But they'll never follow up with it. They don't follow up when Scummo makes an announcement that he's going to spend money on, you know, give money to people following the bushfire, that none of that money's gone anywhere. Or bushfire, money to the arts, none of that went anywhere. Like, they, they never, they, they never. The money for the up. house one, for like the increasing your house so you had to fit these. The home builder. Yeah, thing. the home builder one, but you had to fit but these. But to be yeah. fair, I'm actually glad for no money to. I don't want any money going for that because it's a shit idea in the first place. But I don't think any of the arts money has actually gone out there. Well, I think the arts money, it's all still open for grants, but I think the the loans that, you know, like, hey, we'll give you a low interest loan that we'll co sign for weirdly aren't being taken up at the rate that they want them to but yeah the grants process is still open so who knows when that will close and they'll actually assess those it's just staggering to me that the media are going to give them a free pass that basically they can just say any old shit and say it's for jobs Mm. and the media will be like oh well you know the liberals are the party of good economic management Mm. and they are the party of jobs why are they the party of jobs we say that they're the party of jobs and they keep saying the word jobs every five minutes as if it as if you know look i don't i don't want this extra money for me and my donors but it will create jobs we're only doing this for you guys it's for your jobs this is like an aaron sorkin tv show no. <laughs> Someone comes on and says, wow, that person is brilliant at their job. So we know that they're brilliant at their job because we've just been told that they're brilliant at their job. Yes. Well, that's 100% the media. The media are like, we, we know. We know that the coalition are good economic managers. Yeah. Because uh, character jobs. B told character C that the coalition were good economic managers. They never have to demonstrate being good economic managers. We just keep saying that they are, and that's fine. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Adam, ba- Adam Bant tweeted this morning, if there's money to fund tax cuts for millionaires, then there's money to live, live job seeker and keep people out of poverty. Yes, that is the core thing that I get behind and that is my belief and that is that is it Adam was out on his Facebook the other day you know it's like what what good is a tax cut if you don't have a job which fair enough exactly. but I'm like well you know their answer that it is only by giving lots of money to their rich mates that jobs can be created like this is this is such a nonsense fantasy that we need to be suppressing and we need to be calling it out every time they say jobs we need to be standing up and saying that's not jobs at all that's the opposite and we need to be calling out any media who simply repeat this bullshit line casually as if it's tr- as if it's some kind of immutable truth. Um, and, and if they want to follow up from that, of, you know, I don't know, why, why is it? You know, if we give the rich people money, make it easier for them to hire people, then they'll hire more people. We need to be very quick every time we hear that with by making the fundamental point, they will only hire as many people as they need to do mm. the work. The only way to really increase jobs is to increase the demand for Absolutely. them. And the only way for that to happen is for people, including workers, to have more money. So the best thing that creates jobs is not making labour cheaper, it's making labour better paid. Because yes. better paid labour buys more stuff, creates more demand, makes more jobs. Da, 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 da. Absolutely, it does. And speaking of buying stuff, this is a bit of a budget one too, because in uh, November, the New South Wales Liberal government will hand down their budget. And they're really frightened, and they're frightened about the current budget because of GST revenues. And GST revenues, of course, make a big portion of what they spend in the state. Yeah. But that's okay, because a New South Wales government review is basically suggesting that the federal government increase the rate of GST or broaden the taxes base, because there's lots of goods and services that are exempt that shouldn't be, like fresh food, health, and education. <laughs> right. So... People yeah. are spending less, so what we should do is tax them more and tax them on more things. 
which is again the exact opposite of what creates jobs because a consumption tax and one fundamental reason why you know a consumption tax is a bad idea because it's in it's a uh, regressive tax because the poor spend more a greater percentage of their income than the rich therefore they end up paying a greater percentage of their income through a consumption tax. Yes. Uh, unless you have a consumption tax that is staggered and has you know different rates for different types of goods like a luxury tax and so forth, yes. which is what we used to have. The GST flattened that, so ordinary. So except for the GST exempt items that the Democrats negotiated uh, before they betrayed all of us by voting for the GST like in the first place, fresh food, yeah. health, and education. Yeah, Ooh, so and now tampons, which the Democrats didn't negotiate, but no. anyway. Good, good work, former Australian Democrats that died deservedly. Somebody was asking this week, who was the first, what was the first election you voted in? And I had to say, oh, I think it was 96, and I think it was the Australian Democrats. Anyway, um, yeah. We all, so, we all have history, my love. We all have a history. But again, so a consumption tax doesn't ju- isn't just regressive in that sense, but in terms of what we were just talking about, in terms of what impact it has on jobs, it discourages people from spending. It is a... It is a tax that reduces demand for the things because people have to pay more for them therefore it reduces the amount that people buy uh therefore it reduces and therefore with that demand reduced it reduces the amount of things that need to be made and Ah. reduces the demand for labor thereby reducing jobs so it is exact opposite of what we need like I am surprised that New South Wales can't manage the budget given that they have, you know, such obscene house prices. Presumably they'd be getting, even with their reduced stamp duty, they still have stamp duty in New South Wales. I think so. Yeah, well, presumably they'd be getting... I, mean, I so, don't know. I was never in a position to buy a house when I was in New South Wales. Well, Victoria, like, whenever the, you would think that the Victorian budget should be doing still very well because even with a slight drop-off in house prices, it's still uh, the same in There's lots of stamp duty reductions in Victoria, and they do the same in New South Wales to try and encourage first-home buyers and that sort of thing. But Which is only ever, again, those it's are only, only a small ever, population. And those are only ever gifts to the vendors, because you give if, if a house is at the level which a first-home buyer has a chance of buying, uh-huh. all you end up doing is all the first-home buyers can now borrow more and spend more, and so for, it just pushes up house prices by that amount or more, it's like same with first home buyer grants. It's just you give every every first home buyer seven thousand dollars, and then that goes towards their deposit. They can borrow, and you, they're borrowing like yeah. nine times. You know, the deposit is like ten percent. So, so you give them seven thousand dollars, and they and everybody's got access to another seven times yeah. nine, yeah, um, sixty three thousand exactly. dollars, and it pushes up your it pushes up prices by more than or you, you let them take money out of their super. Yeah, all of these things, they don't help first-home buyers. All they do is push up the price of home. It helps vendors. It helps, if you're selling a house to a first-home buyer, yes, you get now get extra tens of thousands of dollars more. But that's okay. There's going to be some other great things in the budget that aren't just this. There's going to be some good incentives for people to go to re- regional areas and pick fruit, right? <laughs> now, did you... So uh, we've, this has been really disturbing this week. Again, the party of the free market doesn't trust the free market to come up with an appropriate solution to the problem of who's going to pick our fruit. Mm. Now, you would think in a free market where everybody's free to bargain and, and people aren't faced with starvation, they can actually choose, you know, uh, I will give you my labour to do this thing if you pay me a reasonable... Yeah. If you give me reasonable wages and conditions. Um, it's weird that the market doesn't seem to want to let that happen. Uh, and the Liberals don't want the market to do that. What they want to do is force people out into the re- re- regional areas to starve. And what was the quote from 
supposed liberal moderate John Alexander. It was, it was basically, if people aren't going to do it, we should be cutting their doll to force them out there. Exactly. And never mind the cost of getting there. Never mind. Okay, so if they're moving there for three months to pick fruit and living in like the crappy accommodation that they have, what happens to the flat they rent that's under lease? Like what happens to the rent they have to pay back home and they're paying board here? What happens to their friend, the friendship connections, their family connections? What if they have children? What if they have partners? Like all of these sort of situations, what if they have mental health issues and need support? What if they don't have mental health issues but moving to a place where you're isolated and you get assaulted and treated like crap causes them? Like, how do you move? Like, it's just so delusional. And like, the, the, the liberals like to present themselves, conservatives like to think of themselves as the practical, pragmatic, real world people. You know, we we thought through. We know we we know what it's like in the real world. I don't know. Have you? When did you last move house? When did you last find a bond? When did you last live somewhere in the country without a car? When did you when last, did last pay? Mo- when did you last pay a removalist who gets three quarters of your stuff out of the trunk and then holds you hostage for like the next extra two hours that it took them to do it? Like- yeah. where, where are you getting these thousands of dollars when you don't have them in the first place to do that? Oh. When, when did you last move? You know, hundreds or thousands of kilometers away from everyone you know, all of your support networks. Oh no, but that's okay because McCormack has it settled. He knows what it's like. He says, have a go. Come to regional Australia. Bring your mobile and have that Instagram moment. Up a ladder, picking fruit, blue sky in the background. Wonderful country breeze. Wonderful friends around. You'll find more friends. You might even find the love of your life out in regional Australia. Now, I didn't, I'm not dropping in the actual audio of McCormick there, but I am going to read you from, so, you know, from the bullshit propaganda mines. They, mm. they sent out their hack journos to do their bullshit propaganda for them. The Sydney Morning Herald had this from David Crow, who I think is their main political writer or editor or something. Anyway, uh, it's a picture of this couple. There's a giant picture of a couple cuddled up on some really old railway tracks with their dog in the background. Jack Murday and Isabel Devine met while working on a farm in North Queensland. Lovely photograph. The headline, Love in the Time of Fruit Picking. And now they own their own farm. It's really lovely. They worked really hard together, the two of them picking fruit, and now they own their own farm growing pawpaws and things. Yeah, there's a couple of distances. So when when you see these stories, because the the headline here is, so the start of it is, the most unusual claim about this week's federal budget may turn out to be true for some young Australians who take up new incentives to work on farms. The big promise of the past week that you can find the love of your life on the Harvest Trail is being backed by a few young couples who found love among banana trees and pawpaw groves. Now, that paragraph is shocked as anything. So there are no few young couples in this. They, they, he hasn't found a few young couples. There's one. Now, he's not clear about how he found this random couple. Where did they come from? How did they come to the attention? How did this couple come to the attention of David Crow of the Sydney Morning Herald? Were, were they connected through the live somewhere? Were they connected through the federation that was lobbying for this shit? You know, who knows? It, it, like, they present this as if this is actual journalism and that he went out there and found them. I will, I mean, to bet you that this couple was presented to him by uh-huh. the coalition. And it gets more suspicious as you get through it. So, there's one person there, um, and it starts off, Isabel Devine and Jack Murday, who met on a farm near Cairns, said willing workers would not look back if they tried life on the farm, even if only for a few months. There's a certain romance about being out in the fields, said Mr Murday, 29. You get to know who you're working with pretty well, because a lot of the time you're living together and working together, all in a new place, doing new things. The couple met five years ago and now run a farm that grows pawpaws, cocoa, chilies, and sugarcane near Mossman in North Queensland. It was so unexpected for Jack and I, said Ms. Devine, and it's been great. 
Now, they, that, that bit does tell you that they're on the owning a farm side of things, uh-huh. which is already suspicious. But it just it still does give you the implication, because it's coming right after quoting McCormack's, you know, you may find the love of your life you know, between oh, the yeah. trees and so forth. And he even says you're out there working with people and, and it's great. So it just sounds like farm workers who've gone out, gone out to the regions, given it a go. It's not until the very end of the story that you get this. Their encounter was more than an accident because Mr. Murday's father, John, helped bring them together. Ms. Devine, 26, from the southern Queensland town of St. George, was travelling up the coast and took work at the Murday farm. Uh-huh. Why, why, is the, why is the farm is named name? after the gentleman that she met there? Yeah. That's odd. I thought, well, I'll give that a go, she said. It was just so random, and I started working, and it was really good. After six weeks, with much of the work finished, John kept Ms. Devine on staff to make sure she met his son when he returned from travelling overseas. That's weird, he wasn't working in the fields at all. No. He was overseas on a, having a lovely tour, and she was kept on by the dad to meet the son. This just got really creepy. Yeah, it is incredibly creepy. <laughs> this, is, this is not Farmer Wants a Wife, it's Farmer Wants to Find a, a Backpacker that he can pay money to stay on to find a wife for his son. Mm. This is... That is, I'm I'm just staggered. Like, that's at the very end. So, like, if you didn't bother reading through this, what what appears to be puffed to the beginning part, you'd still have this impression that, yeah, you know, young people out there, fresh air, you know, they've got, yeah, I guess they'll meet. And they can't find any. You would think if that were true, you could at least go out and find some. Even the coalition who are trying to sell this, why can't they find any? Because it's bullshit. Do you know what? So do you know what this becomes? This becomes your friend saying to you at work, oh, no, but it totally happens because I read a thing in the paper. So mm. those people get together. I saw a picture of them. Look how lovely they yeah. are. Yeah, no, no, no. I know someone today, who knows someone. Yeah, young people today, you know, they don't, they're don't. they not willing to give it a go. And they're not willing to think of the positives. And, you know, if they mm. did, maybe maybe they'd find love. You yeah, know? no, no. I know someone who knows it's someone not unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet, and yet, like, you would think, you, you, given the numbers of people working on these farms, you would think they could actually at least find somebody who met. Like, any place where humans are for long enough, you know, the worst places in human history, and I'm not going to godwin it, but, you know, in the worst places that humans have ever been, people have still found love and partners because human beings managed to do that. But it's not like you're like, well, you know, like I, it, I, we were on a, on, on a death march somewhere and, and my, my, my parents met on a death march. Death marches are great. No, but it's like why people are critical of people who have babies in refugee camps. And it's like, because people still have lives to live. And some of these people, especially in some of the refugee camps that have been in Africa and things, have been there for a decade. They've been there for a lifetime already. But people complain. But you can't tell me that they're not having a good time because I found a photograph of people that stuck there for 10 years and there was a brief moment where we were able to photograph one of them smiling. So it's clearly, it's fine. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's great. They're not just making the best of a horrible situation. Actually, it fits in very much with the question that, you know, the other week we asked uh, listeners if they had any... You know, it's like we can be an agony aunt. We can be an agony aunt. So you've got a political agony aunt. You've got people around you saying dumb shit, uh, pro- provocative shit, shit that you you know you need a, a pithy comeback or way to try and change their minds so that they don't you know continue down the path. You know, get a subscription to the Australian, write comments in the Australian comment threads. You know, become full. Start listening to Sky News. Shave their heads. You know that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, listener, random listener who's certainly not one of our most recent hosts, guess hosts. On that exact podcast that we yeah. discussed it. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, he, he, has a, he has a question. So let's, let's go for to random listener man. 
Hi, Jeremy and well, may we say, listeners, uh, my question um, for the how do you get how do you respond to a relative or friend's idiot um, opinion is that you know my favourite one is the oh my mate has a business or I saw on Sunrise someone has a business. And, you know, they can't find anyone for their shitty underpaid cleaning job um, that's only part-time and, you know, uh, is, is really gross and hard work. Um, so if there's so many, you know, people without a job, why can't he find someone? People don't want to work. What's uh, I need a bulletproof response to that, please. So what advice would you give random lister man? I think that Nick needs to... I think that the pitch you need to have, because the person who's asking this already hates people who are poor and unemployed and wants to believe that they are less deserving, they're lazy, they're bad. Mm. And pointing out the ways in which the system is already screwing them uh, and, well, I mean, that isn't going to get you very far. Um, but I would point out, I, I reckon that there are two angles to take in response to this. The first is to say, actually, the first one probably doesn't work, which is calling bullshit on it. You're like, yeah. No, you're right, because this person's entrenched, and once they're entrenched and they've said something, you have that sunk cost thing. You're really, but you, you, might make a, you might make a very brief one to sort of start the seeds of doubt so you know, growing in there a little bit. Be like, but is that really true? Do you really know someone? I mean, we see these things all the time, but when you look into them, it's never actually... They don't ever seem to stand up. There's always this... There's always this thing that's like the people who are like, oh, you know... Uh, Look, here's a here's an here's a young person who who did just buy a house, and then you look into it, and the, uh, and uh, Domain just put this one out there, and it's actually a, a real estate uh, agent. Now they're now working for the real estate agency, or and they're it's someone the who they're like, oh, I lived with my grandmother for ten years, and then my parents yeah. gave me a hundred thousand dollars. Or, yeah. or it's like, oh, pe- people find love in the uh, in the fruit in, farm, in the fruit, fruit farms, but no, it's a farmer uh, kept this woman on. Farmer wants a wife for his son to meet when he came back from his overseas trip. That could be a reality TV. Show. Wait, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know, you could say, I, I, you can say to them, look, I wonder how much that actually stacks up because uh, you never have the specific example. It's always this vague friend of a friend stuff. But that's probably not going to get too far. The thing I would say to the friend who you're meeting at work is, I think we all people with jobs need to be very careful about how much we want to squash down the people who don't have them. The more the, the worse things are for them. That they're this pool of cheap labour for employers. We want our, you know, all of us here want our wages to go up, right? I want to raise. Yeah, well, our wages are going to go up if there's more demand for the stuff we do, if there's more money in the community. You get that by everyone, including the poor, having more cash. And and that props up our jobs. But also, employers want the cheapest labour they can get. The more that we try to force people, the more that we try and starve people into taking jobs at, at, at shitty right wages... More people competing for less jobs, it's dragging all of our wages down. I mean, is that That's really what point. we want? That's a good point. I like it. Just self-interest. Yep. A, de- I- you know, a decent safety net means that our employers can't turn around to us and say take this shit or starve. And I think that's actually a much better approach because you're more likely to get to an entrenched person by going at self-interest than by attacking them on the accuracy or the fallacy of what they're doing. They don't want to hear facts. They don't want to hear that they believe a thing. You you need to sort of come off it from a different angle. That was good. All right, so uh, listeners, if you have an agony, a political agony ant question, a PAA as we call it. We do? <laughs> ah, yes, the old but if you have one, send it in, and uh, we'll see if we can answer it. 
But that's okay. They actually are doing something decent with the budget. Um, I find this hard to believe, but okay. They're going to finally spend some money on the NBN to put fiber like closer to homes. So it doesn't just stop at the node. It actually goes further into the neighborhoods, thereby increasing speeds for people. I mean, wait, wait, isn't that they're going to spend borrow $3.5 billion to do it, and it's something that they should have done in the first place that would have cost them a lot less. But hey, internet. Wait, so they're acknowledging that their shitty fibre-to-the-node multi-technology mix chaos that has actually cost vastly more than they, than they told us and took a lot longer than they told us it was going to. Are you telling me that they finally recognise that that is a shitty, shitty solution? Uh, and that their whole original pitch, the Malcolm and Tony's original pitch of, no, no, all people need to be able to do is to download and stream TV shows in their homes and they'll be fine, as if, you know, video conferencing and things. Hey, darling, have you noticed how good video conferencing is in Australia? You know, that you don't have audio dropping and constant staggering of... The number of times a day I have to turn my video off during video calls with people is... Um... I lose count most days. Okay, but it's not as if everybody seven years ago that the loops came in. It's not like everybody was saying to them, hey, uh, we need that capacity. Video calling is clearly a thing that's going to be there. Mm. We need, it's not just download speeds, it's also uploads. We need that capacity so that all these infrastructure, this, these technologies can grow. Uh, you know, it's not like anybody, like all of the technical industry and, you know, a huge proportion of Australians repeatedly told them that that was what was going to be necessary and that their half-assed, messy multi-technology mix was going to be inadequate and also really expensive because Aww. it turns out trying to hack a bunch of different technologies together rather than having one consistent technology for the whole country, <laughs> turns out that that's expensive too. It's just expensive and cheap. What's the, the triangle? Cheap, quick, good? Uh, yeah, then... Yeah. Quality, time, and price is the project management triangle, like is the triangle of, that you do, yes. And, and you've got to admire, so you can never have all three. You know, if you want fast and cheap, it'll be shit. If you want yeah. fast and good, it'll oh, be expensive. so what I'm saying is you can have, if you, want to, you can have good quality and you can have, you, and you can have good price, like, but yes, you're right, but then it will take a long time. So exactly. you're right. That's yes, the point. exactly. Yeah. But uh, what the liberals managed to achieve, and this is what was really impressive, because usually, you know, the point is you can't have all three. And what they managed to achieve was zero of the three. Exactly. They managed to have an option that was shit, expensive, and slow. And it turns out that you can, in fact, that actually isn't that much genius, because it turns out that it's actually really to do, easy to do. All you have to do is do something really moronic. So it's impressive that they managed to do none of those things. They did a, a slow, shitty, an expensive option. It is, but that's all right because they say that the plan is now possible because NBNCO has proved its business model, which allows us to borrow from the private markets. Which is funny because, like, you wouldn't have had to borrow from the private markets if you'd done it right in the first place and not kept changing stream mid project, which is the most expensive thing you can do. But also, it was always going to prove its business model. Bringing internet to places that didn't have high-speed internet was always going to work. People are signing up to it even if it's shit. Well, except in some places, apparently. This is Eliza Berlage here for Stuck in My Craw. Stuck in My Craw this week. I've been really frustrated thinking about just how much the Liberal and National Parties really stuffed up would it would have been such an innovative and groundbreaking and future-proofed version of the NBN for something so subpar. And of course, in recent news, we've seen they've actually had to backflip. Not only did their cost-saving measures end up 
blowing out in terms of the budget, they've also backflipped and are now having to restore and build better internet across the country because some places just aren't even capable of receiving the type of speeds and latency that make businesses and households able to function. Case in point, I live in regional South Australia and I work from home a few days a week. I'd work from home every day if I could, but at the moment it's been near impossible to work from home. Bar one, that utilities aren't essential to be connected to rentals in South Australia. Whether that's a phone line or an internet connection, renting in South Australia, like many other parts of the country, can require you to wait weeks to be able to get connected to the internet. Meanwhile, gas, electricity and water, of course, must be instantly connected. It's a real shame that when we are really in such a global economy and a digital economy that you can't get a fast connection to the internet, let alone get connected to the internet. My other bugbear currently is that the plan we signed up for for the NBN on IINet, we're actually not able to receive the speeds that we signed up for. Yes, (laughs) our current connection is just incapable of receiving those speeds. So at the moment, we believe that we would be likely to in our town of Panola to receive this new rollout of better NBN connections that is coming within the next few years or so. Now, it's pretty funny to think about how we literally can't receive the internet speeds we bought when you consider that a report came out the other day saying that SA households and small businesses are the nation's slowest at signing up for fast NBN connections. Now, this report was printed by the advertiser, but it's entirely possible that maybe people in South Australia aren't signing up to faster plans because they're literally finding out when they go to sign up to a plan that they can't actually connect to it. So rather than the cartoon suggesting that South Australians are turtles who are basically happy to be hooked up to a a good old dial-up service, maybe they're actually just not wanting to get ripped off because they can only connect to something that is only a little bit faster than a good old dial-up service. The plot thickens when you take into account that Telstra and Optus are now looking at rolling out a boosted 5G network to try to... I guess somewhat compete as much as Telstra can by offering people something better and something that they'll be able to not have to wait for the government to connect. In terms of a local perspective though, interestingly, once again, the private sector have been coming to the rescue after the government has just completely failed with this. So we have this Narracourt local guy called Dan Hayes who started up into it which is a local IT company, and they're able to offer customers in regional rural areas a better connection than the satellite, which would be a relief if you've ever talked to anyone who's used SkyMaster. It really can barely get the kids up on Zoom for classes, let alone run your business. So he's been rolling that out thousands of kilometres across the southeast of South Australia, and people are happy, people are paying about 1,650 to get connected, but then they get basically service for the rest of their time. Now, the way it's been working is that he will basically tap into where the existing lines are and then build out a wireless service. So it's been quite interesting to see the way that private sector has stepped up. And look, if I was buying here and I knew the NBN wasn't coming, I would sure be looking into something like that.
or something with Telstra or Optus. Living in the country shouldn't mean that you have subpar internet, especially as more people tree change and look at doing their business elsewhere now that you don't have to be in the office. Yet, we're sort of still left out in the cold in the country when it comes to good internet. Yeah, one of the things that most infuriates me about what happened with the NBN is that it was the Conservatives, the, the coalition government made up of a bunch of you know, the Libs, but also the Nads, who completely betrayed their rural constituency. Oh, yeah. By, so the Labor NBN, the purpose, the point of it was it was going to be one consistent fibre optic network across the entire country. It was going to be the same price for people in rural areas where you don't have the... If you just leave it up to the free market, highly concentrated population mm-hmm. density areas, like the cities, are going to be more economic and, and they're going to be able yeah. to get they're going to get their product faster and cheaper. Yes. And the country where it's air, larger areas to cover, it's going to be more expensive. If you just leave it up to the market and you don't do what Labor's going to do, that's what you get. What the Labor model was was one where it was effectively cities subsidizing rural areas. Mm. We were going to, but, but the upshot would be it would also benefit people in the cities overall because it would facilitate decentralization. Yep. Because um, you can run your business if you've got a full internet. You, you could, it doesn't matter whether you're in Sydney or, or Wangaratta or Burke. Um, you could run, that, that was the whole point of it. And yes. the Libs just killed it because they're like, oh, look, look how it's, this white elephant boondoggle, which clearly wasn't a white elephant and they're now having to yeah. fix it. But um, the fact that the, People don't need that. People aren't going to do that much stuff. The fact that the the supposed party party for the country screwed the country in this way. Mm. And and it's disturbing to me how few rural voters seem to have grasped how much they were screwed by it. And probably because, I don't know, the sources of news are limited out here. I I don't... It's it's staggering to me that Labor failed to sell in the country that they were going to be... what, What they were proposing was to the benefit of the country and that, mm. that the Nats and the Libs have killed that thing. And why, why they couldn't campaign in 2013 on that? Why they, weren't, why they weren't rural ads everywhere being like, in the country, you're under our plan, you're not going to be screwed by the city. They're going to, you're going to be, we're going to be able to, imp- you, there'll be decentralisation, so you'll be able to have, you, you're going to get the better services because people are going to move to the country. The thing that your country towns are dying because you're not getting enough, people are moving to the, young people are moving to the cities. You don't like that older people in the country. This plan will help adu- stop that. It's interesting because in the city they stop. ran billboards which were you can't afford labor and they almost should have run billboards that were you can't afford the LNP. You know, you can't afford the LNP. They they cut your NBN and made it something horrible. They've cut these services that you need. They've cut your access to, you know, medical services. Like all the sorts of things mm. that, that, that the LNP have done, they should have run those billboards out here. It, it, it is staring to me that the, 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 the rural community is continuing to vote NAT. I mean, le- less so than previously, but um, I, I, I think that Labor gives up on, on think... fighting out here, and I don't think that they should. I think that I, I think that one of the problems with the way that Labor does politics is that they they seed fights without even trying them, mm. and there is a benefit to even to trying them, even if you don't win that fight. Even if Labor re- put some resources into that message in the country, that the, the NBN message, for example, yeah. if they put that, this is to your benefit. Our plan, unlike the Liberals' plan, will benefit highly concentrated areas in the cities in the short term. Overall, not so much because the population density is a problem in the city and decentralisation is a thing that would benefit um, the city as well as the country. But 
Labor doesn't run those things because they're like, well, we can't beat the Nats in the country, so we won't bother. But part of getting a message to gradually grow is to be arguing it. Even Uh if you don't win it immediately, that's what seeps through the consciousness and changes the conversation. And, And the unwillingness of the ALP to have that argument... If they don't think they can win it, it's, you know. If something's hard to do, then it's not worth doing. You tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson is never try. They lose the long-term argument because they're not willing to risk losing it in the short term. It's interesting because we have a independent here um, and there was an ad in the paper this week, the local newspaper in Langarada, that was like, Helen Haynes has voted with with Labour the last three votes. Indi didn't elect Labour. Right. But, but, that, but, that, but it was like a liberal ad. But that's the sort of thing that they run. Like, they want to be like, you know, there's this like, you didn't vote Labour. Oh, I'd, like I'd like to see the, the local Labour Party running the reverse ad. Yeah. She's voted with the Libs these times. You didn't vote for the Liberals either, did mm. you? Uh, this, cause this, we're in um, Indi, which was Sophie Panopoulos' old old seat that was then um, uh, Kathy McGowan and, and now Helen Haynes. Um, anyway, so I, I'm with... with uh, and look, the NBN, the idea that, it, another point that Eliza was making about the fact that the NBN, that the internet is not considered an essential service. You oh. try, you try managing without it. Like yeah. not only when you work, trying to, you know, you've now got to work from home and things. But when we moved up here, the NBN just didn't show up. Yeah. Like they were due to be here, I think it was a week or so after we got here that, we, that they were scheduled to show up, like, which is ridiculously slow. That's a long time to be without access to all the things you now need to do on the internet. So many companies and government Departments don't work if you're not on the internet. Like mm. it's not a, it's not a, like this luxury that it might have been in 1996. Anyway, um, and then the NBN just didn't show up. They're like sending you text messages like we're going to be here at a particular time. You know, throughout, oh, you've got to hang around this morning. We're going to be showing up. And then they didn't show up. And no message saying they were going to show up. And then they're like, you're back at the end of the queue. We'll come back in what two weeks or something. And then they did bump us to the next week, but it's like the person's only out here once a week, so that's the only option you get. Yeah. That. that Anyway, the idea that it's not an essential service and there are no, no not proper guarantees that it will happen in a short period of time, ah. it's ridiculous. They, they did, anyway, I, I, we, we were following the, the harrowing tale of, of what Eliza was going through. Just And this is another issue that, again, a lot of LNP voters don't give a shit about because they don't move house. They've, they own a house. They're comfortable where they are. They're not facing all of these yep. issues that happen when you move. So they can be casual about, why don't they just go to the country? Why don't they go up there and just live and pick fruit? Because those people haven't moved for twenty years. They don't know yeah. what it's like. They, it's well, another... if they did move, they moved in the same neighborhood from one big house to another big house. So, yeah, yeah, they're not they're not in the situation of you know the increasing percentage of, of Australians that are stuck renting who have to move every year or two. Mm. Like landlords are like, oh well, um, I reckon I can squeeze a bit more cash out of the next the next tenant. So or. or... <laughs> So off you go. Yeah. Find find the money for a bond. Find the money for a removalist. It's this uh, complete lack of appreciation of, of what people are going through. Um, I will say, in relation to the decentralisation point, did you see the other one that was happening with Scummo this week where he was um, demanding that public servants... He wants people back in their offices. Yes, except and in it, Victoria, all public servants should be working back in their offices to give those CBDs a boost. And he doesn't just mean the Sydney Central CBD. He means Parramatta. He means Blacktown. He means all the city centres. So a couple of points with this. First, ignoring the public health impact of sending people back to work, you know, back into concentrated uh, urban environments. uh, On public transport. On public transport, that's right. Um, Which is very silly. 
Um, it also highlighted how uh, how connected the the current government and party structures and power structures are to whoever has power and money and influence already. Um, and you know, we see it with fossil fuels, but we also see it with um, real estate lobby. So obviously you've got a whole lot of CBD businesses or mm. CBD um, landowners yeah. who are currently struggling because the tenants aren't making money and they can't yeah. pay rent. Um, and it's obviously in their interest, their commercial interest, to be shoving people back into the city as quickly as possible so that they can be you know, bringing in those high rents again. Absolutely. Now, but the way, but Scummo isn't supposed to be prime minister for the CBD, CBD owners. Um, where workers are working from home, they're still spending money. Now, they might be spending less, which is again not a bad thing when workers are. I mean, it's a bad thing in terms of job creation, having people you know, make their own, having their own coffees at home and so forth, rather than going to a cafe. Um, obviously, going, make people going out and spending money at cafes does create a, it's economic activity and it creates jobs. Um, but what Scummo is missing is that there are an awful lot of cafes and bakeries and so forth in suburban areas, in country mm. areas, uh, that are doing very nicely, that have had a very good year because people are working at home, but they're still going out at 11 o'clock to get their coffee from now instead of the one in the city, they're going to the one near their home. Absolutely, and you do see that when we were still in Mitcham. If I could walk to the, you know, the one trip a day that we were allowed to go to the grocery store, you'd walk to the grocery store and you see people for their exercise getting coffee. Um, here you see people at the local little bakeries and cafes that are scattered around town, and and they're at the ones in town too, but they're at the other ones. So there are other places that are getting money, that are getting income that they might have lost. Yeah. So for for Scummo to be saying we need to force people away from their urban areas or from their local cafe and force them back into the concentrated areas is very much picking winners. It's very much saying, no, the, the, the people who are rich and have the more expensive mm. land, that must not change. We must not decentralise. Even though, yeah, as we've seen, like one of the biggest things that would help Australia grow and help Australian living standards would be decentralisation. And the Libs have screwed it with the NBN, and Scummo now wants to you know, undo... The decentralisation that's happened naturally as part of the, of the response to the pandemic. Yeah. As if that's a bad thing. Why is it a bad thing for us to be decentralising? That's actually really good. No, and like I don't think it's the time for us to all be heading back into the office in the city either. Anyway, there were one or two other federal things that I wanted to just cover before we got onto Victoria. Uh, did you see that they announced this week? McCormack again was announcing this travel bubble with New Zealand. It was a big thing. It was produced. It was some kind of a, a Jeremy, powerful development. You did not give a bubble warning. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Did anybody have a two or three year old in the car? And I, I said the word bubble. I'm, saying, I'm still saying bubble. Uh, bubble. Well, I'm just saying bubble. People, they're going to be demanding bubbles. Bubble. Stop saying bubble, Jeremy. A bubble. sphere. A travel sphere. Well, see, this is the thing. It's more a valve. So this is what. So valve. It was so absurd. This was announced with all, and given you know full on coverage on the ABCs with all the gravitas that was oh finally you know Australia's in a good place that we've we've made some real progress in COVID. Do you know what the what it was? What all the announcement was? That if you are from a no COVID place in New Zealand, you can travel here, quarantine for fourteen days in either Sydney or Darwin, and then you're no, in no, Australia. You, you cannot. You don't have to travel. So you can travel if you're from New Zealand, which has zero cases. Yeah. We Australia. So it was this unilateral announcement. So only only Australia is, in, is making any change. New Zealand is still like, no. If you're coming from Australia, you're doing fourteen days quarantine when you get yeah. back. 
whether you're a New Zealand citizen or what. We, we, you know, Australia is still a plague central. We're quarantining you for 14 days. We yep. can get back. Um, so all it was was the Australian government was like, if you're from New Zealand, we'll let you come to New South Wales and the Northern Territory without having to quarantine. Oh, wow. That, that's what, what amazing. Deal. Like, they'll still spend 14 days going when they go back. It wasn't a joint in it. It's not, not like Ardern was like, well, you know, we prefer you New Zealanders to spend here and you're going to be quarantined 14 days when you come back. It was a pathetic thing of Australia being like, trying to give some kind of incentive to New Zealanders to come to do some tourist stuff for the local tourism industry. It wasn't wow. that we've made any progress. No. Like, but it There's was no pro- agreement. No, but it was produ- It was reported with the name of the New Ze- a travel bubble with New Zealand. To me, that implies that it's like free travel back and forth, that we can bounce yes, back and forth. That's what travel bubble implies. Yes. That is not what it is. And it's just... God, our media are hopeless. And we're going to see more of it tonight after the budget. We're going to see more of this insipid reporting of any bullshit that the government announces in in the spin terms it prefers us to use, no matter how misleading that is. It was nauseating. It was. It, yeah, that, that's gross. Well, now I know what to say next time we have a demand for bubbles. I can say, actually, here's a slow-dripping valve. That's just like a bubble. You're the worst mum ever. I am. I am. I, I don't believe that. I just think that if you tried that, if you were to... I'm, I'm sorry, I've just dug myself into a hole. You're great mum, darling. <laughs> but um, if I sat there with the slow-dripping valve and was like, that's a bubble, I would have a three-and-a-half-year-old looking at me going... It's an awful lot of effort to go to just to piss off your three-year-old. It really is. You have to find like, a valve, uh... put bubble... Like, like what? That's just a lot of effort to, to crush your hopes and dreams. I know, I know. And I wouldn't even have her agreement. I, the, the, I think one of our biggest issues going forward, and we'll see it again tonight is just how incompetent our media are now, in, and, and specifically the ABC and SBS, um, because I don't expect anything better from the, the, the Murdoch press. But uh, but uh, the AB, the also the old Fairfax papers, uh-huh. it is just 100% repeat whatever bullshit the government tells you. But we're seeing it already. In, in, the, in the terms that they tell you, and just but we're seeing that's that, journalism. That's the reporting this morning before it's even started, so we're seeing it already. Well, I suppose that gives us a neat segue into the gutting of the tertiary education sector. So this is really a budget thing so much, although it appears to be fundamentally based on the premise that they need to cut money out of the universities. Mm. But but we'll pretend that by cutting some of the money, that's, we'll actually pretend that the whole lot of the money that's been cut is really so that it can go towards the, the university course that we need oh. most of, while, whilst we massively inflate uh, the cost of humanities degrees and so forth. And then if they're not important, but it's all right. It's not like the Centre Alliance, a bunch of, uh, well, what, modern equivalent of the Australian Democrats, a bunch of grumpy old liberals who, like self-hating liberals, people who are conservatives, but, you know, would prefer to avoid some of the more harsh aspects of that. And so, yes, the Centre Alliance has now decided that they're going to vote for this horrific bill. Well, and uh, Rebecca Sharkey is, is proud, proudly uh, out there declaring that although, what, a few months ago, she was tweeting that. Oh, that she yeah, was... in, in June when they first announced the bill. I will forever be grateful to Flinders for hashtag my arts degree. It took me 10 years to complete while working and raising three children. I would not have had my career or the pr- pr- privilege of sitting in the House of Representatives without of it. Cool. Us, so Paul. And now she is, of course, uh, going to reduce the ability of, of uh, anyone else to get an arts degree. Uh, so, but keep in mind. These degrees will still exist. Yes. It's just that they will exist for rich people. Exactly. Well, no, you can still take an arts degree, as, long, as as Rebecca points out, as long as you take it in English or a foreign language. Right. But that's, you know, and they're the only humanities that count. Right. 
seriously, this idea that the only thing that you get... It's, it's, well, it's the old difference between science and applied science. Like, and, and the idea that any of the things that we that turn into something useful, that, some, that, that um, you couldn't have anticipated ahead of time, but the things where humanity expands yeah. and develops things, like, unless, unless they had an immediate application, we wouldn't have encouraged them to happen. If they hadn't happened, we wouldn't have developed any Look, of these. Let's yet. just scratch university overall and move everything into sort of a TAFE model where it's, you know, you Purely... are going to be a research scientist and we will only teach you research science. Yeah, we're not going to... The... the, the Look, if your theory was that LNP politicians' approach to universities is simply revenge for all of the slights that they received at university by left-wing students who they didn't like and didn't like them and how they were outnumbered at university because more people were progressive, Mm. Uh, if your theory was that the LNP just hates universities because of that and, if possible, would like to drive anybody but the rich out of universities, like... That's okay. Uh, I'm putting that on a ta- on a in front of a table like that that uh, like that meme. My theory is that the liberals just want to drive poor people out of universities. Change my mind. Yep. Yep. Um, Are you I... going to try and change my mind? Well, Give me some counter examples, some counter evidence. They're going to reinstate the ten percent discount up front for fee help student contributions. No, no, that's that's the people who can pay their money up front. Oh yeah, that's so that's a benefit for rich people. Um, Huh. So what have we had? We've had over the in just this year, we, over the pandemic, they specifically excluded universities from receiving any of the uh, the JobKeeper or any of those benefits. But so the church were, could. Church could. But they made when there was a potential that actually there was enough of a loophole that the universities could access it. They changed the law to make sure the universities couldn't. Just all yeah. And we're talking about oh no, we've got to give all this money to the the job creating resources sector. Universities in Australia are a major export industry. Oh, they not just so they they they, they create um, huge economic activity in the short term and the long term mm. in terms of it is bonkers the number of people that teach there that work there that do everything the number of students that travel so therefore to a university whether it be internationally or domestically so therefore they're getting housing they're getting all sorts of things they're buying stuff in areas they wouldn't buy they're creating yeah they're, they create lots of economic activity plus they train people they give people skills that make them employable in the future and those include humanity skills yeah it's so you haven't in any way countered my the- thesis that it's just a bunch of ex-right-wing university student politicians getting their revenge. Yeah. I don't think is I can. Is anybody going to counter that? Cause... Well, at well may we say. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the great oh, thing, though, is... At Rebecca... well may we say, change my mind. Yeah. The, uh, the great thing, though, is Rebecca Sharkey is definitely looking out for all Australians because what she did is she negotiated a, uh, a different uh, growth investment for uh, South Australian universities, South Australian universities so the were three South Australian universities get treated like remote, like rural, get treated rural universities and get three point five percent funding the, increase instead oh, of yeah, yeah. So the rest of us are screwed for three South Australian universities, but by the, but they're still worse off than if this wasn't happening at all. So I still don't understand. Like the thesis is the question is what's in it for Central Alliance? Like they've got a, a pathetic benefit for South Australia that isn't really much of a benefit because it's still overall. It's just less of a, yeah. a whack to them. So did the Libs make them a deal about not running against them in Mayo? Did they? Uh, what's the actual? I don't what, like, know. Because the, the Central Alliance are now copying a whole lot of heat on behalf of the, for the benefit of the Libs. And I yeah. don't see what their, 
I don't see what the benefit is. It, it just seems like a dumb, either they're really dumb or there's something else that we don't know about. And I, it, anyway, but keep in mind that the, the government didn't just have to negotiate with Central Alliance. Um, they also negotiated with One Nation, and and they One Nation was able to get out of them some some very very uh, important concessions. And the concessions were uh, more benefits to people who. In fact, I think the one that the Central Alliance is talking about, the, the more money for um, people who can pay up front. Yeah. That was one of, the, one, of the, one of the things One Nation needed or wanted. But yeah. the other thing is that they want to make it uh, easier for uh, fringe academics uh, who, pub, who who do um, damaging shit that hurts their students uh, to be hard at a sack. So yeah. basically, this is their whole uh, academic freedom thing where, where universities should be free to... Uh, and their staff should be there. Shouldn't be any consequences to doing harmful shit. Um, and that's of course. So, so I like it when. Uh, and when I say I like it, I mean I don't like it in any way. I'm being sarcastic when they can negotiate with the government to make it worse. Yeah, like a terrible bill that's only there to punish the people that they hate from when they were right wing student politicians. And the One Nation managed to make it worse. So isn't that great? Well, and at least Lambie had been decided that she was going to vote against it because it was going to hurt working class families. It was going to hurt poor people. It was going to hurt anyone who wasn't rich and trying to go to university, which for Jackie Lambie is surprising because she made a decision. She didn't crowdsource her ethics. So yeah, so good on Lambie. It was, it was a, I, I did like that brief moment of hope when we thought that she was going to be. A, you know, finally, we're going to stop this terrible bill. But no, goddamn Central Alliance. But yes, you're, you're referring to Jackie Lambie doing. Uh, maybe, maybe this is Australia versus humanity. Oh, let's see. We don't know what Central Alliance and One Nation are going to do. So maybe the mobile phone thing will happen anyway. But Jackie Lambie's vote was up for. She was out. She polled polled people in Australia whether she should vote in favour of the uh, coalition's oh. attempt to get around the federal court ban on them just taking mobile phones from refugees for their own And apparently benefits. something like 90% of people got back to her and said that they thought it was cruel and not to do it. Yeah, even in Queensland. like Throughout the... Even in the most... Even in the states where it was worst, it was still only like 5 or 6% in yeah. favour of making this change. So... Um, the, the government had been like, but without this, we can't stop pedophiles. And, you know, obviously the point is, yeah, yeah, you've got them in prison. They're, they're in detention. Yeah. The police can and do charge. Like, they, if anybody commits a crime with these things, they can be caught. And also, of course, the big fudge being they were trying to do what the government likes to do, which is which is shove refugees in with criminals to be uh, as if... Yes. As if refugees are criminals, and they, they like to fudge those things together. But, yes, so good on Lambie... For at least listening to people and coming to the non non monstrous outcome, which is better than you know yep. the LNP, although it is just <laughs> the idea. You know that they at elections they have that senator online thing. They have the thing where they, they, they keep on trying to get a candidate up who like Australians will vote vote on a poll, but. Polls are really easy to shock. Now, in this they case, are. they weren't shocked, but you saw the one the other day that I think it was one of the ones bashing Daniel Andrews or whatever, uh, and and they were reporting that as if it were were news on on Sky, and until the point where it got flipped. But, but um, the, 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 there was this sudden. Sorry, no, that one that one didn't get flipped. That one was the one where it was in fra- in supportive of Andrews up until just just before it was finishing, and then suddenly this enormous number of votes suddenly came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, MediaWatch um, did the numbers and, and did a, and, and, and covered it the other week. Those sorts of polls. But, yes, yeah, so I don't like the idea of these decisions ultimately going to who can vote because it's pretty piss-easy for there to be a bot farm that persuades Lambie that a lot of Australians like something horrific. Absolutely. Although, in this case, 
I think she was getting actual comments from people. Yeah, and what she had asked was for was emails. So it's hard. It's a bit harder to farm that because they usually have a limited text, which the text is very repetitive. But even so, like it's still it. It's not a particularly democratic way of making those decisions. But mm. and I mean, yes, it's better to have a, a, a loose cannon like Lambie who might come up with the right decision through a. An Im- a deeply flawed process like uh. this than to have an LNP person, but it's not better than having somebody who's actually going mm. to, you know, take an ethical stand and a consistent stand straight away. But anyway, look, who knows what's going to happen with the rest of the mobile phone bill. Uh, at least Lammy's opposed to it, but she was opposed to the university one and that's going to go through. So uh, I'll, I'll uh, count that chicken when, when it's hatched. Just before we quit the federal government stuff, did you see also the uh, Prime Minister having a whinge uh, to Ben Fordham. And, uh, now, I don't know. Did you see what Ben Fordham... Uh, sorry, just kind of the side, but um, did you see the Ben Fordham tweeting thing? No. So, okay, so Ben Fordham is the Sydney shock jock who's now taken over for Alan Jones. Um, and they've obviously got himself a pay rise recently. And Scummer was on his, on his show complaining about how ABC staff had voted against a wage freeze. Uh, I mean, the remaining ABC staff are presumably doing much more work. Uh, apart from all the, six of them. Yeah, that's right. So not at least the, the, the increase that was already supposed to come through from before COVID uh, is just a CPI increase. It's not, yes. Um, so it's not really an increase at all. Uh, a wage freeze would, in fact, be a cut. Um, but they're also doing more work. But you've got Fordham, who's obviously just getting more money because he's yeah. taken over Alan Jones' shop, stop, uh, slot. And I call it a slop. Alan Jones' slop would, would have worked as well. But anyway, hit the slot on the... On the slop slot. Uh, and you've got Scummer, who's just got another pay rise. And, and, and No, but it wasn't a pay rise. It was a CPI increase. Scummer's CPI increase is a lot more than CPI. <laughs> um, but anyway, both of them whinging about ABC staff not understanding the real world and pretending, pretending that it's ABC staff really doing giving a slap in the face to ordinary workers who are doing it stuff like ABC workers having a pay freeze would have in any way helped any ordinary workers. It would not have in any way. But anyway, yes, the, the, the little swipe at um, Fordham. Did you see the, the thing he tweeted? or li- the, the, he, re- he just liked it. He re- I think he retweeted it. Like he retweeted a Pornhub video. Oh, yeah, he did. He retweeted a Pornhub video. He was, that was, he right. was thirsty, but he uh, was... Yes. <laughs> um, and it was a fairly graphic image from that Pornhub video. And it was up for like two days or something before he actually took it down. Oh, wow. Wow. Like, I'm not judging people things, for, for that, for, you know. One of the things that uh, that, that Scummo has said that. is that they're the only government department to take this like cost of living increase when it wasn't that true. Like ASIO had had one and a few others, a few other public service in, uh, groups. But he's actually not going to attack ASIO. No, exactly. But he made it sound on the news like they were the only one doing it. No one else has done it. And I think a few others did get through due to their EBAs. And in a similar way that um, when an individual area has their own EBA, it sort of has to get followed. Did you see, did you see Scummo's nauseating lodge lady chicken thing? Chicken coop it's so on the revolting. Weekend. It's so <laughs> revolting. He is, ha ha, it was a funny joke. It's almost like he's henpecked. He, he was. Well, because, you know, he has the job. Jenny did a thing and, and he's been given the so job Scummer to go build. So basically tweeted out a picture of, clearly a, a PR picture of him putting together the uh, a chicken coop and Jenny and the girls have picked this out and they're going to name the chooks after former uh, wives of prime ministers, the lodge ladies. It's just, it's just this nauseating, I mean, supposedly that... It's like the the picture of the the love of in the fruit pickers. It's it's. I think this is just supposed to seep into people's brains that 
I like making stuff on the weekend for my kids from buying stuff from Buddings. Look, he's just like me. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like objectively stupid and irrelevant to the rest of us. And it's just this, it's just nauseating, transparent propaganda. But Oh, it is it must absolutely work. nauseating. It must work. It must have an impact on some voters. Like there must be a reason. Because it's because it fits in with the image that they're trying to create of scummos, like a daggy dad. It's just an ordinary knockabout bloke. Yeah. Which, as opposed to the creepy, fundamentalist, elitist, QAnon conspiracy mate, wacky guy who's robbing ordinary people blind yeah. to give to his corporate mates. He's burning down the country that your kids are going to try and survive in and ripping the guts out of revenue. Now, look, we'll touch on the budget just one more time before the after this before the end of the podcast. But just while it's uppermost in my head, I really want to make this big point. Australia is really suffering badly still from the 2004 tax cuts that Howard shoved in. So there were there were increased there was increased revenue during the mining boom, and he squandered that on what were about sixty billion dollars a year and probably more than that now worth of of, ta- of tax cuts. We wouldn't have had a deficit at all. Mm. Um, we we wouldn't have been this whole the Liberals had to come in in twenty thirteen to fix this deficit. It was a structural deficit that they created in the first place, and that as soon as the mining boom revenue disappeared, it was this giant hole. And Labor have completely cop this they're like we can't raise revenue to the level you know we, we can't raise taxes to the horrific days yeah. of 2004 do you remember you you had arrived in australia in 2004 i arrived in australia in 2004 when you got here do you remember under those higher tax rates do you remember it being a a socialist oh no sorry a hard communist hellscape in which business couldn't even operate. And, well, uh, uh, yeah, and the only clothes anyone sold were grey, and everyone sold the exact same grey outfits. And and you know, driving and, 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 and let me tell you, the uh, the Levi jean black market when I arrived here was shocking. Yeah. So 2004, we could massively increase revenue and fund all of the things that you know the, the government tonight is going to announce a 200 billion dollar hole in, 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 as a result of their management of this, whilst simultaneously kicking people off. Uh, slashing new start and slashing job keepers so that uh, ordinary people are, are still going to be screwed. But keep in mind that there's all this extra money that would be in the budget if if we just went back to 2004. If we went back to the tax rates that we had in 2004. This, mm. this is not fixing index creep or anything like that. This is a was a flat out gift to higher income earners. That's a huge amount of money. Yeah. And the libs are going to do it again tonight. Yep. They're going, they did it again a few uh, um, with the, the stage one of the tax cuts last um, year before last. Last year. Wait, I, time has lost all meaning. But the first stage of the recent tax cuts is another huge hole in the budget. Stage two and stage three are going to do that as well. So all of these tax cuts, they lock them in and then they act like you can never undo them. And the media yeah. act like they, you, can't, you can't come in here and raise taxes. As if, well, that's exactly it. Like, how you, would we function it? There's no rolling it back ever, 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 ever. The ratio only goes one way. Yeah, yeah we, we cut taxes and then we cut services to pay for them. Then we cut taxes more. It's always in that direction. But it doesn't have to be. There is no reason why none of us, mm. any, any of us who are like, this is bullshit. Uh, what, why are we having to, the, each of the cruel cuts that will be in tonight's budget? And your family will be like, well, you know, the money doesn't come from anywhere. We're going, going backwards. Retort. Yeah. Why can't we go back to 2004? There's a lot of extra money that would be able to be funded if we just went back to 2004 tax rates. They'd be like, oh, we can't go back there. And you're like, it wasn't 
wasn't a hellscape in 2004, was it? We lived in that time and it was fine. It's interesting when, it's like when the Liberal government talks about how they're trying to fix things that were done in the past 10 years and the past, you know, previous governments. And it's like, well, you've been in government for seven years. Yeah, although that, all right, that probably gives a segue into Victoria um, because that is, of course, one of the big issues in Victoria, that, that our the contact tracing, the way the public health department ran matters has not been particularly good. No. And uh, one of the big points to make about that, of course, is that, that it was uh, Kennett who gutted the and re, re, they restructured it and they made a complete hash of the Victorian health system. But to be fair to the Liberals, uh, Labor have been in power for an awful lot of time in the last 20 years. Since Kennett, Labor has been in power for, for most of that time. So Labor has had plenty of opportunity to fix it. Now, I accept, I understand that, that it may not have been apparent just how broken it was. And once the system's there, you might think that you can sort of paper over the cracks and, and work through it. And obviously COVID has shown that they can't. What has been most infuriating about what was coming out at the end of the um, hotel inquiry? And um, we don't have the findings yet. Rachel Baxendale, we don't have the findings yet. Uh, you saw the, did you see the, 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 the Australian reporter, Rachel Baxendale, who was uh, interrogating Andrews and saying that he had, that these findings had been uh, the damning of the Victorian government and he didn't like there haven't been any findings. She released a transcript of, of her question because she said, oh, no, I didn't, didn't say findings. They were, they were um, okay, a slight diversion here before we, we get to the, the point about the results from the hotel inquiry. But um, it is, so this is Baxendale and this is what she tweeted afterwards as a transcript. And so what I'm going to read for you is her transcript and I'll tell you which bits are in brackets. So these are the bits that she has added that are not in the, not only when you listen to the audio, this is her adding it later and being like, this is what I said, which she didn't. Like, that's why they're in brackets. Premier, Judge Coates already been told, brackets, by counsel assisting. So she's like, what she said is, Judge Coates already been told counsel assisting. So like, has told counsel assisting. Anyway, she adds the word told by, because that then... Oh, just, she forgot to say it. Yeah, but she meant cha- it. She's changing the the, the tra- It's just this is incredible. She, she's just altering the transcript slightly. So this was her, what she tra- she tweeted this afterwards for, uh, with the tweet for the record, and then she includes this. Premier Judge Coates already been told brackets by counsel assisting that she should try, she should find that your three key public service chiefs failed to keep you and key ministers informed about major hotel major problems in qu- hotel quarantine that have claimed 768 lives and caused more than 18,000 people to become infected. Why do you need? I mean, is it even? Given those, what she says, given those findings. In the transcript, she's added the words in brackets, given those cancel assisting findings. Like, she didn't say cancel assisting, that's what she, she put it in brackets, but like, imagine it. So she's, what she said is, given those findings, is it appropriate for you to maintain confidence in those people for another six weeks? Premier, Rachel, if I want to be as respectful as I can, you've just put it to me that findings have been made. No findings have been made. Reporter, I didn't. I said that counsel assisting had recommended to Judge Coates that she find. Rachel, Rachel, it is my practice to listen very carefully and what you just put to me was that Judge Coates had told. She has said nothing. Reporter, no, no, no. Premier, she has said nothing. What's more, you put it to me and I'm happy if, if I've interpreted your question wrongly or if it needs to be rephrased, we can go from there. Reporter, I told you what counsel assisting told Judge Coates she should find. Premier, well, you didn't actually say that, but in any event, let me go back to the first point. Uh, then she makes noise and he says, well, Rachel, you didn't. And if you're going to put something to me, then I'm entitled to respond to it the way it's put to me. So otherwise it's one of these games where, you know, in a couple of hours we're all, I'm having my words put back to me that I've somehow answered a question wrongly or I've been inconsistent. Um, so yeah, anyway, she, so she's, she flat out, she doesn't say what she thinks she said. 
And she then has, and she tweets for the record, the contrary. Yeah. She's, anyway. So the report, oh my God, Rachel Baxendale. Actually, before we go on to what the, what the commission actually fired, um, <laughs> I guess this tweet here. If Rachel Baxendale doesn't say something and Daniel Andrews doesn't hear the unsaid thing, should the transcript be altered? So it can be said that Daniel Andrews should have said, should have heard the said unsaid thing. Yeah, what, what was the other thing she was tweeting about this this week? It was the other thing she uh, was grilling him about this week was if someone by themselves in regional Victoria going for a walk and there's no one else in the same square kilometer as them, it's a bit silly for them to have a wear wear a mask, isn't it? And he's like, "What's the issue, Rachel? Seriously, what's the issue?" I, I love that thing. So, so if people are remote, why should they have to wear a mask? Well, if you're genuinely remote, if you are correct that you're remote. Mm. And you don't wear a mask, then you won't get charged because the police won't be there, will they? By definition, if you get charged for wearing not wearing a mask, there was somebody within a square kilometre of you. Because how else did they get charge you? Like they have to physically. Yes, somebody has to be. Yeah, so I wanted to respond to this because scene. you don't necessarily know. Well, and as we've seen from this Chadstone cluster that's happened, where the person with permission to travel into regional Victoria, yeah, has. Has, has infected someone in, in Kilmore, but has also then traveled to Benalla. Oh, great. And apparently there's now a case in Shepparton, which may or may not be connected. So. Oh, you bastard. So while there, while there is, so there's three cases now in regional Victoria, one in Kilmore, one in Shepparton, and one somewhere else in this past week because of this person from Chadston who traveled. So he dined in Kilmore. He wasn't supposed to stop and dine. He was supposed to get takeaway only. He was only. supposed to go and get, yeah, he was allowed to see and his family. And then traveled and stopped in Benalla somewhere and then went, kept going. But. Oh, great. Yeah. And this is why we have to still wear bloody masks. But this is why we have to wear masks. So the best response to, to her talking about, well, I'm not anti-mask. It, it's just preposterous that people in regional Victoria who don't see anyone need to wear masks. This is why you need to. You don't know who someone has been in contact with. But yeah, if I'm parachuting into Victoria and I'm the only one jumping out of the plane, do I need to have a mask on the whole way down or only when I get five kilometers from the surface? <laughs> um, if I wake up tomorrow in regional Victoria and I, and I am a mask, will I be fine if I'm not wearing a person? And would you apologize? Like, people so had fun with it, but it was. It's, yeah. Um, the whole thing's a bit depressing. The, the, I, no, no, no apologies for bloody Daniel Andrews with the, um, the what, what's being found about at the inquiry about nobody having any idea who's making the decision to use private contractors. It's uh, Makakos has now resigned because Andrews threw a bit under the bus. Uh-huh. Why did, I make, why did I make that softer? Threw her under the bus. Yes. Until I beat under the bus. He threw her under the bus. There was a bus. It was charging by. He pushed her in front of it. Um, she took she took a bus for the team. Um, so that that phrase that's that's poorly phrased. Um, anyway, the point is the. No, I think she didn't take a bus for the team. I think she very mm. specifically stood up and said, "I am not. I am walking away from this because this is bullshit, and I am not accepting this." You can have this. your bloody bus. You can have your bloody bus. I am throwing it back on you. Too many buses. Being I am she hulking and roar. Yeah, look. I mean, this is the thing. They they they've copped up and and in. And they deserve to be thumped for it. The problem is, they don't deserve to be thumped in the sense... Sorry, they deserve to be thumped, but Victorians don't deserve to be punished by the by, by Labour being replaced by the Liberals. Mm. Now, because for whatever flaws there were in hotel quarantine, at least we had hotel quarantine. At least we had... Uh, and at least after that, there's been proper efforts to try and suppress the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the liberals from the very beginning have been trying to downplay the virus and say that there's no, it's not, a, it's a nothing, and we should just be open. If it if we're under them, you know, you have Tim Smith out there saying, "Oh, Labor's responsible for 800 deaths," and ah. um, in amongst puff pieces from the ABC. Thanks, ABC, because all we need is a, a series on every single uh, fringe right winger with a Twitter account. Oh, no, I might, I might be being unfair. Maybe ABC is planning on doing a puff piece on all backbenches in the yeah. Victorian Parliament. Maybe they just started with Tim Smith. Uh, it's just a coincidence that he happens to be um, one of the, the noisiest fringe uh, right-wing leanings. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah sure. Labor, Labor should cop um, a, a big chunk of those those deaths p- from their mismanagement, although a big chunk of those are also the federal government because they're occurring in aged care, which is a, which the federal government yeah. has run down. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a result also of this just general um, economy of, of this gig economy. And that's how these things have spread so fast. People doing multiple jobs all over the place uh, is how that cluster got out of control so fast. But um, look, for all of the faults of Labor, the Libs would have been... The number wouldn't be 800. It would be four figures, five figures. We would have a lot of dead Victorians by now if it had been under up to Conservatives. And, it, oh, and New South stupid... Wales is doing it better. It is true that New South... But New South Wales hasn't been confronted... They, they didn't have the bad luck that Victoria had with that cluster in the first place, if, even though their mismanagement was, was legendary with Ruby Princess. They were just very lucky. They were. That wasn't good management. It was luck. Um, but it wasn't. But, but, their, but their contract tracing has been better because yes. their, their health system wasn't, hasn't, wasn't run down in, in the same way. And also they didn't get the, the massive volume at once. So, you know, Brett Sutton's been talking about contract tracing a lot this morning on his press conference, and he's saying if you have a family unit of, say, six people, uh, and each person has close contacts and then like just each family unit that ha- has a case. And when we then went up to 200 cases so quickly, you have to do each of the close contacts of each of those people of each of those families. Yeah. It's massive. It's a massive task. But, but New South Wales is a bigger state. It's just that I, yeah. it's partly they've been lucky and partly the, um, their, their system, their health system in the first place is better. So what should Andrews be doing instead of pretending that... Well, I mean, maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't know who made the decision. And it sounds like they didn't. It actually sounds like it was kind of this sort of collective decision because Victoria Police didn't want to do the guarding. Yeah. And Victoria Police want lots of extra powers. They want lots of extra funding, but they don't want to do uh, unglamorous, boring... Yeah, they, they don't want the hall monitor to be a police officer. They want the hall monitor to be a spotless person. And then what, because it was basically assumed that nobody was going to stand up to Victoria Police. So everybody just assumed that they were going to do what the Victoria Police wanted and nobody, uh, nobody said anything about it. It's just, ah, it's well, depressing. Th- I think that what Daniel Andrews is trying to do is to not presume what the what they're going to find and not presume what the results are going to be. He's already said, whatever they are, we'll follow them. Yeah, but, but, but simultaneously, it is pretty clear that they half-assed it. Yeah. And... Look, I, I'm not, but this is the thing. I, I understand that, you know, the part of the problem was that the, the federal government had been like, it's going to happen in, they, they went with the, eventually they went with what the states have been saying, you need to have a quarantine system. Um, and then they sort of announced it in such a way that they were sort of scrambling to get it done in the, within the time frame. Uh-huh. Um, and I get that mistakes were made. What, what is annoying me about it, the way that Labor is responding to it now is, well, sorry, I'm annoyed by various other things that Labor's doing right now. The the, the additional play, power, powers for police, yep. um, none of those are good things, and they're not good when they're from the, the Conservatives. They're not good where they're from uh, from a supposed from a Labor Party when it's when it's doing its authoritarian shit. Um, 
I don't. Vigero police do not need more powers. No, they can't be trusted with the powers they have. No more powers to wander into people's houses without warrants. No more powers to shut down uh, protests. Like th- th- that is way too much. Mm. Uh, and I don't. I, I'm not going to defend Labor doing that shit. They shouldn't be doing it in the first place. And Labor's tendency to do shit like that is one of the reasons why I don't vote for them and I vote for the Greens. Um, but on the other hand, it's pretty hypocritical for the Conservatives to be like. Oh, how how dare they give all these extra powers to Victoria Police and how dare they make the police act like thugs when that's exactly what the Conservatives do. And oh. and their big thing about Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter protest, which they were determined to, to, to try and pretend that it was a source of the pandemic. Um, and I think McCormack, it was on, on Q&A the other week, who was trying to spread that lie when there's that's actually not the case at all. Um but what were the Conservatives shouting about the Black Lives Matter protests? They were like the Victoria Police weren't weren't tough enough on them. Yeah, like, they were shouting. Yeah, they were. Victoria. They were. You shouldn't have let. You shouldn't have let them do that. You shouldn't have let them. Andrews get was together. too soft on the yeah. on these protesters. Like, and that's no, and the, and that's why that that is why we have this new outbreak, even though it's completely not why and mm. it's absolutely not related to it at all, and there is no connection. So don't come to me and be complaining about dictator Dan conservatives who are demanding that Dan be more of a dictator and shut down protests. Um, but look, oh, in terms yeah. of what Labor's doing, um, in terms of response, which is basically, um, it's shut up reporters. We, I mean, the reporters are massively one-sided cheerleaders for the, the conservatives, and they've been... Who was, who, which was a reporter who was whinging on Twitter yesterday that if she asks... I think it was Jill Stark. Was it somebody from the left or somebody who was, who was saying, or was nominally the left, um, who was like, oh, you can't say anything without people jumping down your throat. You can't say anything questioning Victoria's... Uh, lockdown without being jumped on. And I was like, well, the problem is that there's been so much bad faith um, bashing of it and endangering yeah. lives. And one of the big differences between Victoria and New South Wales is that New South Wales didn't have an opposition that was constantly screaming at the public that it's a beat up and you should be going out and you know, exactly like we've had a we've had the Herald Sun and the Liberal Party throughout the entire pandemic encouraging people to think that it's a it's a nothing and to, to you know that, that their liberties are being infringed unfairly. Which then, you know, results in things like that that yeah. gathering in St Kilda the other day. Like Victoria has this is is fighting uphill against this huge for this relentless campaign. So it's interesting because the first time it was he stayed closed too long. Then it was he didn't close down fast enough. Then it's he stayed closed down too long again. Like they've been yeah, ping ponging back and forth. They've got they've, with the benefit of hindsight, whatever happened is is wrong. And so because of that shit. Then, when legitimate questions are raised about various things that that, the, that Andrews is doing, it's really hard to take them seriously because you've you, you've already built up this sort of um, barrier that that, that, they, that it's all bad faith. But look, the one thing I want to say, the one thing I want to say after saying all that, the one thing I want to say about about the way Labor's addressing this is they need to say what they are doing going to do differently, and they would have a, they would get a, a, an acceptance from me. I would yeah. I would take them seriously if they were standing up and saying. Privatizing those necessary services doesn't work. Yep. We've learned our lesson. We won't be doing that. And what they can politically say is, have the Liberals, have our opponents. Has Michael O'Brien, I challenged Michael O'Brien to come up here and say, I turned to a white random white man to come up here and say, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I believe he's Michael O'Brien. If the opposition in Victoria want to come up and say clearly that in the same situation going forward, um, they're not going to be privatizing out security contracts. Now that we know what we know about private companies. You know, we in the Labor Party are not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I challenge the Liberals to say the same thing. That deals with that issue. That puts it back on the Libs. Are the Libs going to really say that they're opposed to privatising those things? Because they're bloody not, and they, we know they're going to do it again. 
use use this moment to either either of those are good outcomes. One of them is they are. the Liberals having to say they're not going to do it, which is fantastic. The other is the Liberals admitting that they would, in which case they have to shut up about pretending well, they that wouldn't. they would do otherwise. Well, because right. like if they if this, then you got the response. And the second thing is. Um, Announce that you're going to fix the flaws in the, uh, the health system. Put a review into the structure of the Victorian Health Department where those, and say that this is a thing that we are going to be reviewing and, and restructuring it because we don't think that, you know, after 30 years from, from the Kennett changes, we think that the health department isn't currently in its structure fit for purpose and we're going to change it. Yeah. Announce that. Then we've got some confidence that it'll be better going forward. I agree they should do that. I agree it would be nice if they did that. I don't think they're going to. I think they are going to play the game that they don't want to preempt the commission's findings, that they will abide by the commission's findings as they've shown that they've abide uh, that they've gone when they had a commission on an, a, a, into uh, violence, domestic violence, and a few others, that they've adopted those, that they will adopt them. I think he's going to hold that line. But don't you think that, that doing that and not addressing these points while they're being made and sinking people's heads uh, is going to hurt him and that they need... Oh, I think it'll, need, I think it'll hurt him, but I don't think he wants to. I don't think he wants to commit to anything. Yeah? I think, they're going to, I think they're going to drive that non-committal ship into the ground because that's what Labor does. Yes. Okay. Depressing. All right. I think that's probably where we're going to leave it. Thank you for coming back for another episode of Well Made We Say. We'll do one hopefully very shortly. Uh, Denise, where can people find you on the toots? They can find me at DNC at, on Twitter, D-E-E-N-S-E-Y. They can find you can find us at Well May We Say on Twitter, and we love having a discussion with you about anything that you've uh, been fired up about in response to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers. You are how the podcast keeps running. Thank you for all of your support, and uh, I guess we'll all see if there's anything in tonight's budget that uh, contradicts my theory that uh, it's just going to be a bunch of. Uh, more money for the rich, more money for fossil fuels, uh, more starving the poor, and um, you know, kicks to universities and uh, the people that they have always hated. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Darling. you will be. Okay. I mean, it could happen. It's worth. Other things have happened. Yeah. Well, we can only hope. See you all next week. See Bye. you then. Bye.